Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the number one international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. Today on the show, we have a man who has been one of my all-time favorite afterlife heroes and role models. His name is Bob Olson. I first learned about Bob when I was doing research looking for my own proof of the afterlife. I found his website, afterlifetv.com, and watched him interview so many incredible people. Those conversations really helped me to believe. I feel what makes Bob so incredible is that he was a skeptic himself, and he is a former private investigator. He has been an afterlife investigator and psychic medium researcher since 1999. In fact, he has created the website bestpsychicmediums.com, which features over 800 mediums, so that we can all have faith that when we book a medium reading, the person we talk to is reputable. Bob has two incredible books. In Answers About the Afterlife, he wrote what he learned about the afterlife in his 15-year investigation following the death of his father. In his newest book, The Magic Mala, he uses a fictional story to illustrate what he learned about life in that same investigation. Now, if you're like me and you like books like The Alchemist or The Way of the Peaceful Warrior or even The Celestine Prophecy, you'll love Bob's book, The Magic Mala. And you can find out more about Bob on his website, BobOlson.com. So Bob Olson, a warm, heartfelt, happy welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Well, thank you so much, Sandra. That is the nicest introduction I've ever been given. So um, I'm going to wake up every morning and just listen to that beautiful <laughs> introduction you gave me. I'll just, it was a great way to wake up every morning. There yeah. would be just that. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. You're, you're sweet. The, the truth of the matter is, is we don't ever, um, I mean, even me, you know, we never know the impact or we don't often know the impact we have on people. But I know for myself, especially after my dad's death, you know, we look for answers and, uh, you know, lo and behold, there you were with these great interviews. You know, you have Afterlife TV where you can actually see interviews with you and another person. And now you have it on podcast as well. So you can hear these interviews and, to go from, you know, hoping and praying there's an afterlife to having a real belief, you know, it's because of you, you know. Well, well, yeah. thank you very much. And then, you know, you've, you've just taken it tenfold. I mean, you got 150 episodes. <laughs> you got this incredible, uh, best selling book, uh, We Don't Die. I, I'm just uh, thrilled that we finally connected here. This yes, and then we found out we're kind of neighbors. You live in Mass- uh, Maine. I'm in Massachusetts. I know. Yeah, it's great. Our way. I know. <laughs> so let's talk. Let's have you talk because so you ask people so many questions about their books and their history, and I want to find out about you. I mean, what's a what makes a man private investigator uh, start turning to the world of the afterlife, and then in turn you know, doing what you've done. So maybe you could give us some of your, your story. Yeah. I, you know, was, wasn't thinking about this subject matter at all in my life. Um, and up and through my twenties and into my early thirties, uh, when I was, and now I'm starting to re- forget, I think I was 34, maybe <laughs> 35. That's age talking. <laughs> no, point out exactly. Uh, my, my father passed and he was 64. I remember that. It just seemed too young for me. And, uh, and now for the very first time, he, uh, I was, he was served as a catalyst to get me to wonder about life after death, you know, and I just happened to wonder, did he go anywhere, you know, or was that it, you know, is that it? That's the end all, you know, be all. And, and because I was a private investigator, I decided to use my skills as a PI to find out. And to determine if there really is life after death, just look for evidence. And, and of course, you know, when you're really a skeptic, because I had been trained, you know, as a PI to not believe in anything that there wasn't evidence for. So, yes. you know, when you have that mindset, I, I, you don't believe in the afterlife, you know, because you don't have a lot of evidence. And especially back then, this is the 1997 there wasn't a lot out there, you know, only a few like mediums like James Van Prague and Sylvia Brown and maybe George Anderson, maybe I'm not even sure at uh-huh. that time it books out. And, and then 
so I spent like a couple of years just searching around and really not finding that much evidence. And it wasn't until 1999 that I ended up having a reading with a medium. And, and it was that first reading that made me realize, oh, oh, there really is something to this. That, you know, here is a person who's a stranger to me who's giving me information from my father and spirit that this woman could not possibly know. Right. And from that point on, it, it just got easier from, from right there on to find more and more evidence along the way. So what kind of evidence uh, did you start discovering? And, and how soon after you started digging did you start your show? Uh, well, I... And that's a big question. It is a big question. And first of all, I, I ended up working with a lot of mediums. I, you know, that was the first evidence that I had. And I was so impressed with it that I thought, if I have this kind of evidence from one medium, what would it be like to get information from another medium? Mm. What? And so I actually spent a few years, this isn't all I did, but one, I spent years, you know, sort of getting readings from different mediums and and comparing and contrasting you know what that was like what was that reading like with them how did they do it what's their explanation behind it um i was counting hits and misses but i was also then sort of grading them as as um you know which of the hits are have a lot of depth and which of them are sort of shallow ah, so, gotcha and so i had this whole system uh, uh to determine what what brought me in in a reading with a medium what brought me like really good deep evidence and i'll give you an example like you know this is one i use all the time but in the very first reading that i had the medium's telling me that my father is expressing that he's proud of me when i was playing uh, a solo in the middle school band concert on my saxophone so that's pretty specific it was really specific and it was crazy actually and and, and and this is my first reading, imagine, right? Right. And so it was those kinds of things, but that was what I was always looking for. So when I when I would I called it testing, I was testing for myself. I wasn't really testing for the public. Uh, I was testing for myself. You know, what would a new new medium, a different person, you know, do? How would they do this? And what kind of information would they bring? And I'll, I had a lot of relatives and a lot of uh, people who were. Uh, friends that were in spirit that would then come through. And I always got new information. That was one of the things that I loved about it. Yes. And then I eventually, you know, I got to the point where, well, what's next? You know, I, I understand that mediumship is real. I understand people really can communicate with spirit. What else is there? And, and then I think one of the first things I tried after that was I got a past life regression. And the past life regression, now, I had had I had like psychics tell me my past lives and mm-hmm. that, that didn't do anything for me because that was somebody else telling me something. It could have been fantasy. It could, right. it could just making up a story. So I didn't even consider that evidence. But when I went to a regressionist and I was now having this multi-sensory experience and, and I mean, it really is. It's, it's, if you've ever, have you had one? Have you had a regression? I have not. Oh. Okay. Well, I guess you I will. <laughs> run out and get one. Okay. And so, and I'll tell you why it, it, it was so important to me in my work. And of course, I had, I had several after that. But, you know, even with the first one, it started to help me put a lot of the things that I, was, I had learned from mediums into perspective. So, like, when, when people in spirit, because, of course, I was asking questions with people in spirit. What's it like in the spirit world? You know, yeah. tell me what's it like for you. And of course it was different for everybody. That, that was what's interesting. I, I, I interviewed somebody once in a medium once and said, you know, so tell me what it's like in the spirit. And well, she says, well, it depends on who you ask. And it really was true. I learned on my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they would tell me what it was like in the spirit world. But then when you have a past life regression, you have these experiences that sound similar to what had been described to me from spirits uh, through mediums. And I now was able to put my own experience uh, together with what I had learned. And to me, that was so much more important that I was able to, uh, to me, what, what it all leads to, 
as far as I'm concerned, is what I call a knowing. And I say I went through three stages. I went through from being a skeptic yeah. to a believer. And I, I, I consider a believer someone who has a lot of knowledge. And right. we believe in that knowledge. It's something somebody else has told us, whether their story or they're telling us information. And we, we accept it as true. But that's a belief. Mm-hmm. And you have an experience of your own, like a past life regression is an example. And then now that it's, it's a... It's almost a soul level. I call it, you know, a cellular level experience that is going to be with you for the rest of your life. And you now know at your core that this is true for you. It doesn't have to be true for anybody else. You know it's true for you. Right. You have that experience. You know what it felt like. You know the emotion, emotions you went through. And boy, did I go through emotions when I had that regression. I, I was crying. I was shivering. I, oh, it was just such a crazy experience. And then after that, that I went to the next experience, which is related to it, but it really is a whole new experience on its own, which is they, some call it a spiritual regression or a life between lives regression. Okay. So now you have a regression, at, which usually takes about 90 minutes. And when you get to the last day in that life, you usually, you know, you, you die in that, in that lifetime. You go to that place uh, and then you just keep going. You go, oh, what happens now? And this great, amazing man, did you ever interview Michael Newton? I haven't yet, but I have reached out and he's responded. So oh, it, good. it'll happen someday, but yes. All right, so that's wonderful because uh, just such an amazing man. And just think about it. So he's doing these regressions. And as far as I know, he's the first person to ever think of this idea of what happens if we keep going. Usually the regression ends and everybody goes home after, you know, you go through the death experience in that lifetime, that past life that you mm-hmm. had. And then uh, usually you kind of come to a sort of a higher awareness place and you learn what lessons you can gain from that lifetime. Okay. What right. lessons? Why did I have this experience? What lessons can I gain from that lifetime? That's great. And usually it ends there. Well, Michael Newton decides what happens if we keep going. And what happens when you keep going is that you go back into the spirit world, the life between lives. That's the name of his book, Life Between Lives, I believe, right? Well, um, one of the books. I mean, he's he coined the term for this type of a regression. Okay. And and he has uh, one of his books. I think the first book that he wrote was called Journey of Souls. That's it. That's it. Awesome book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was wrong. Journey of Souls. And, Journey of Souls. I recommend that. Uh, even above any of the other books he wrote, uh, and um, I've, I've run into many people that agree with me that that's really the, the most precious of all the books. Uh, they're all precious, but that's the most precious. Okay. So, Journey, Journey of, of Souls, Michael Newton. Okay. So then, um, I, so I experienced this. I go to this through this lifetime. I then go beyond uh, that lifetime after I've passed, last day of my life there. And then I go into the spirit world. This is this can be anywhere from a three and a half to like a five hour experience, wow. and it's and but it feels like it goes by in twenty minutes. I mean, it's just that crazy. But it's sort of the same thing. You you're now experiencing what it's like to be in the spirit world as best I think we can, uh, being alive. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. And, it was the same thing. Now it took things even deeper for me because now all the things that I had been learning from, yes, my experiences with mediums and then my past life regressions and all the interviews I was doing, of course, a lot of interviews that I was doing with people who had had near-death experiences. Right. Um, certainly, tons of people were telling me about their own uh what we, what we call ADCs or after-death communications, but... Some of those, some of those were, you know, they're sitting um, beside somebody who's ready to pass, and then they they pass, and they actually have this experience where they sort of go with them for a very short short time, and they 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 watch as to where they go. It's almost a near death ex- experience in itself, but they're literally just sitting in the room. Might be the hospital room beside, mm-hmm. and, the, and their loved one passes. And then their loved one sort of takes them with them. And it's all in your mind. It's not, right. it's not literal, although there's a, I think there's a literal aspect to it. Um, and it, take, it takes them to sort of show them what that death experience is like for them. All these experiences that I've been learning about, now this, this life between lives regression, I had something that I could compare it to. 
And I go, oh, now I know exactly what they were talking about when they were explaining, you know, what it's like to float or what it's like to, you know, feel whatever it is that they, that, that I had learned about. And, and then this continued and, and I even continued, I would have, uh, I would get into meditation for a while and I would, you know, really have these amazing experiences with meditation and energy healing. And by the end, 15, 20 years later, well, 18 years later now, I, um, was able to take everything that I had learned as a belief and connect it with something that I experienced to create what I call my own personal knowing. That's really great. Really great. Yeah, it's fun. It's, you know, it's, it, it, to me, it was always exciting. It was always something new, you know, and and, and I know like, for instance, there's experiences that I still can have and I haven't had you, uh, I think you discovered him before I did, uh, Al Bodkin, Dr. Al Bodkin. Yes. And, and his work, uh, I, it was like, I thought I had found everything because everything seemed very repetitive after a while. And then I discover Al Bodkin and he's just doing something completely new. And I, uh, I love that. So anybody who, um, isn't familiar with that should watch your show with Dr. Al Bodkin. Yeah. Induced uh, after death communications, IADC. Phenomenal. Yeah, and a whole new experience, right? A whole very cool experience to have. So, I, you know, in a sense, though, wh- what I love, and, and when I put when I put answers about the afterlife together, and it took me like three and a half years to write that book. Sure. But when I put it together, one of the things I wasn't sure about when I started writing it, and then I was happy that that's the way it ended when uh, when I finished it, was that yes, these things they they don't contradict each other. They they work together. They work in, in unison. They complement one another. So near-death experiences complement what mediums do, complement these past life regressions and these life between lives regressions, and even people's experiences with meditation or what we know of. I, you've talked about all these things on your show, um, like deathbed experiences, uh, you know, dream dream visitations. You know, right. they all complement with with one another. They're not. They're not contradicting each other. And to me, that is really important. Mm-hmm. There's so many common threads that go through them. And even for people that, like you said, the mediums had different stories of the afterlife. I think if you asked any human being, you know, what's, what's life like? We're all going to come up with a different individual story about it. Yet, we're going to have some common threads that we eat and we sleep, you know, work. Um, but other than that, there'd be some real differences. So I can get it. Yeah. Unique experiences. You would ask, you know, when did I start doing the interview? I mean, I started the interviews very early on. Like, mm-hmm. immediately, like, even the first medium I met, I interviewed uh, a whole bunch of her, her clients just to see what their experiences were like. Because I had now only had mine. And so I wanted to see what their experiences were like. And then, and then, I, and then I started working with mediums and testing them and all different things. You know, will, will this work? Will that work? You know, we didn't even know it back then if you could do a reading on the phone. Yeah, I know it sounds crazy now because it's so common. Common, yes. But back then, I actually, I actually used to have. Uh, I tested it, and we would try, it and we would see. That, oh yeah, it works just as well on the phone. It works just as well on the radio. It do, you know, it doesn't matter. But I had uh, like fun. What do you call them? debates with mediums who had never done it before? <laughs> Who <laughs> sure that it wasn't going to work as well for them, and and then later, of course, now that's all they do, right? Uh, but it was it, we. These are the things that I would try to test out with them, and and I would have all my case files as a PI, and I w- when I had a case uh, like for private investigations that involved somebody who had died, I'd see if they can bring that person in and tell me, uh, you know, anything about that case that only a few people in the world knew, yeah, and. Uh, and they always did, you know, it, this was very early on in my journey, but they always did. And I was, so it really helped me. This is the kind of evidence that I was looking for. Like, you know, what can we really do with this? How accurate is this? And then I found out, you know, it's very accurate. It is. Now, did you personally test all of the 800 plus top psychics and mediums that are on your site? So on bestpsychicmediums.com. Yeah. Yes. Yes. On bestpsychicdirectory.com, that's actually the one with over 800 
Oh, okay. And animal communicators. And, and uh, no, I mean, I've tested a lot of them, but I got to the point where uh, I had tested, honestly, I had tested hundreds. I ran, uh, I ran out of, uh, I stopped counting, I think, around 400. And I, I realized that uh, there are signs that which, uh, you know, I, I, I don't really give away because I don't want, <laughs> I don't want anybody to, right. to find out uh, and, and know what I'm looking for. Uh-huh. But it's very easy for me to do a little investigation about each person. Now, when I say a little investigation, um, when someone applies to be on Best Psych Directory, uh, I, I probably spend anywhere from an hour and a half to two hours uh, screening them to make sure. So I'm, and I'm emailing people. I'm looking for references, uh, people who know them, and, and these are people that I respect and trust. So what do you know about this person? You know, are they good? Are they bad? Are they legitimate? Um, and, and it's great now because the internet leaves this sort of long tail. You know, if you're, if you're, if you've, if you've been doing it for a while and you've, you know, sometimes you've been doing it on sites like keen or something like that and they can have, they can have hundreds or thousands of feedback there and, and good, good and bad. It doesn't matter. And, and then I, I'll read through, not all of them, but I'll read through hundreds of them if I'm trying to screen a person to see, you know, what kind of feedback am I getting from these people. So there's, that's what I love about the internet now. I can look at old videos that they've done. I can look at old feedback that they, ha- they have, even if they're not working with those sites anymore. I can get references from people who have worked with them. And I've got to the point now where I, it's easy for me to tell you know, who's legitimate, who's not legitimate, and uh, who I would trust. Then what we do is we, we, we have reviews on our own site. So on, on Best Like Directory, the public leaves reviews, and we read through those every single day, and I look, and I, I get to tell. So it's like me now monitor, monitoring, how did I do? You know, is this, this is a new person and I get to see the kind of feedback that we're getting. Sometimes we get it through the reviews. Sometimes we get it through emails or phone calls. It doesn't matter. But if um, if there ever were someone that I probably shouldn't have put up there, we find out immediately. Pretty fast, yes. And we take them down. Yes, yeah. it has integrity. And let me just ask a question because I know that there have been some good mediums, not that I found through your site, but that I've I know of, who... I don't want to blame them that they gave a bad reading, but there hasn't, there wasn't enough meaty evidence for me, although other people rave about them. Are there different conditions that can provide, you know, somebody gets a good reading, somebody not so much? Yeah. And, and it's also what you're looking for. So, okay. Um, because every person is different, you know, I think you're more like me. You're really looking for the deep evidence. And, uh, and some people aren't, you know, some people, you know, Melissa, my wife, had, was never really skeptical. So me being the extreme skeptic, almost cynical skeptic, she being one who always sort of had a, a, a knowing that it seemed like it was just part of her life growing up. And if she, she, she's not one to be interested in getting readings, but if she were, she wouldn't be like testing them. It wouldn't be that kind of a thing. It wouldn't right. be stump the, stump the psychic. Medium. It would be, you know, she wants to find something out. Let's just say she went to a psychic because she wanted to help. Uh, she wanted help in making a decision that she was trying to make. She would then get a, a reading with them and she would be very open about the decision that she was trying to make and she would get the feedback from them and she would recognize whether the feedback she was getting resonated with, with what her own inner wisdom was telling her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's one example uh, that's the easy ones for people. And then there's anything all the way to us. So we're looking for evidence before, before you help me with this decision and, and mediums are a little easy because they're connecting with people in spirit. And, and as long as they're a stranger, they don't know anything about those people. So yes. It's easy when they give us stuff they couldn't possibly know. Right. But with psychic stuff, it's, you know, some of it can come through and it sounds very general. Yes. So tell me, if, if you're a psychic, I, wanna, I want you to tell me a lot of things about myself that you, you, there's no way you could possibly know. You can't find it on the internet. You can't, uh, you know, there's just, you don't, you don't know anything about me. So tell me. And usually, like even today, I had to stop 
telling people that I was testing them. You know what I mean? Because they, well, it, first of all, they could look things up on the internet. Right. But that I I used to put things on the internet that was that was fake. So I know. If oh, was, you're funny. It was funny. Um, well, you got to do it. You know, you got to do it. Investigator, sure. These are in the early years, and then, uh, but also they then they just got very nervous about the whole thing because you know. Even though I was just testing them for myself, you know, people think I'm testing for the public. I'm testing for myself. And mm-hmm. it's me. It's my, I'm the one who wants to decide whether someone's going to go on one of my sites or not. But uh, they would get very nervous. And then that nervousness got interfered with the reading. So I now usually go on, get readings under a different name. And, uh, and, and then they're calm and they're relaxed and they're, they're showing me how they give a reading to somebody, uh, in any, you know, Joe or Sue or Sally, right? I, I know what they're like when they're giving a regular reading to people. But the things that I'm looking for are tell me all kinds of things about myself that you couldn't possibly know. And then when you've hit upon enough really solid, uh, in, a, a lot of solid information about my life, about what I'm going through at that moment. So that I know you've connected with me uh, legitimately. It's just not, it wouldn't fit just anybody. Then you can tell me uh, about these questions that I have about this crossroads that I'm at. And then still, even then, I'm not going to trust what a psychic tells me about which decision they think is the best one to make. I'm only going to recognize if what they tell tell me resonates with what I was feeling myself. It's kind of like that. It's kind of like when you go to your friends, you know, you go to your friends and you go, I'm trying to make this decision. What do you think? And, you know, you, you know, you're only really going to go with the advice that they give you that you think, you know, makes sense to you. Like, like your own gut instincts were telling you the same thing. Um, and, and so now they're just confirming it for you. And to me, that's what psychics do is they just confirm it for you. Mediums, you know, a completely different thing, as I said. Mm-hmm. Get you in touch with your friends and family in the spirit world. Um, yeah. Yeah, Bob, in your book, Answers About the Afterlife, what kind of um, different topics do you cover in that? Not just mediums. No, God, no. Just, um, if you wouldn't mind just throwing out some of the different things, just so, I mean, I have the book, so I know the answer, but uh, just some of the different realms that you really have done your homework in lots of different in areas. One of the most fascinating to me is near-death experiences. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I love near-death experiences because, not because I think people who have had near-death experiences know everything. I actually talk in the book about why I don't think they know everything. You know, mm-hmm. I compare that to, you know, when you have a near-death experience and then, you know, of course you come back, it's kind of like, you know, somebody going to Boston. Uh, and and so maybe they know a little bit about Boston, but they only know their own experience in Boston. And it doesn't mean they know all about Massachusetts or certainly don't know all about the United States, right? all about the world. And so a lot of people, you know, listen to what people who have had near-death experiences have. It's one experience in their life. And it's a fascinating experience. And I absolutely love it. And I'll continue to interview those people. Uh-huh. Um, because we get something new all the time because every person's experience is subjective. You know, they're in, a, in other words, their interpretations that they make when they come back are subjective, it's, you know, based on who they are and, and even their own beliefs. But it's a temporary experience. They actually didn't die permanently, so they don't actually know what it's like to be dead right. <laughs> in the spirit world, um, unable to come back. Uh, and so... That's one experience, but there's so much that we can learn from them. So near-death experience is a, a really big one for me. I, um, you know, AVCs are, are great. I love ADCs. I talk a lot about after-death communications, mm-hmm. and these, these are the experiences that everybody has had. So um, some people see spirits. Uh, some people just feel a presence in the room. You know, some people get those, you know, like that phone call. I've, I've, I've literally heard people who have got phone calls uh, that, um, some say they, they, they heard their loved one's voice, uh, from spirit, you know, right. others just say they were thinking about their loved one and then the phone rang, you know, we have all these kinds of coincidences where, um, 
coincidences are huge and it's it, that can be an adc in itself you know i remember this story that that hit me very early on in my journey here uh of this woman who passed and her husband and their daughter were fighting and uh in the middle of their fight uh this candle which there was nothing wrong with it apparently um this candle just broke in half and just fell like the candlestick wow and half and and fell on the table and they both looked at it and then they they looked at each other and it was like they both knew you know they were like yeah you know she doesn't want us to fight and this is the thing after death communications are important because of the meaning that we each give to them so it doesn't matter what other people think about it if something like that happens to you if you feel like there's a presence in the room people always know who it is yes and you gotta go with that there's a reason you're picking there's you have your own intuitive abilities and everybody who has had that experience with any significant degree always has known who that person is that is there and then it's just a matter of whether they trust it or not you know um, same thing with dream visitations. Dream visitations. A lot of people have had their loved ones in spirit come to them in a dream. Always the same thing. They're, they're basically saying, hi, you know, I'm okay. Uh, I just want you to know I'm in a great place. I'm happy. And I love you when I'm watching over you. It, typically, always those are always the important messages that are coming through. And they're like a dream that is very unlike any other dream. So, it's not one of these dreams where, you know, you're like riding a horse on the beach and right. flying, you know, in the air. And then the next thing, you know, you're eating chocolate somewhere. Uh, it's, it's just this, you feel as though you're really in the room with your loved one from spirit. And there's not much else going on other than you're having this conversation between you. And for the most part, they're telling you these things. You might be able to ask a couple of questions. Sometimes people get answers. But most people are just sort of listening and they're getting this information and then the loved one goes and that's the dream. But one of the ways that they know it's a dream visitation versus any other dream is not only the the content of it, but also they remember that yes. dream vividly many years later as if it happened the night before. Same thing with near-death experiences, people tell me. They remember them like they just happened yesterday, and it could have happened when they were seven years old, as vivid and as real. So yeah. I, I love it's, that. Isn't it? I mean, it's, it's, it's fascinating and, and fun, and because everybody's experience is a little bit different, then you know, that's what keeps people like you and I going. But you know, I list in the beginning uh, so many of the things that I investigated, uh, past life regressions, of course, near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences, Past life recall. This is just you know, like, mm-hmm. especially kids remember. Right. Uh, new book out right now. What's the, what's the name of it? I'm sure you know uh, about the that your audience is gonna know this. Um, the little boy who believes he was Lou Gehrig. Uh, Do you know uh, I don't know that? Oh, <laughs> I'm gonna have to check oh, that no. out. Okay. Okay. Uh, I have the book upstairs, but I don't have That's it with me right, right now. I'll find it. So, anyways, past life recall. A lot of people who um, they hear their kids talking about that, basically that they're, they believe they're somebody else or they believe that, you know, they're a World War II pilot. Yes. Yeah, I know that story. Uh, Soul Survivor was an old, uh, older book that was the same thing. And then the, the parents at first thought their kid was just being silly. And then they start asking questions. And before they know it, they do research and they find out that someone with the name that their child is 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 saying is his name actually belonged to a World War II pilot and all the details that the son gave them uh, turned out to be true. Uh, deathbed visions I talked about, you know, some people call those pre-death visions, which is a nicer way mm-hmm. of saying it. Uh, shared death experiences. Shared death experiences is kind of what I talked about earlier. You're sitting there and your loved one passes and then they share their their experience going into the spirit world with you. And that's something that's called shared death experience, dream visitations. Um, Non-medium spirit visions. A lot of people who have had visions of spirit 
like literally they can see them. They might not even be able to hear them or talk to them, but they can at least see them. And then sometimes they can talk to them. Uh, and these are people who are not mediums, right. just everyday people. And usually um, I have found that these kinds of things happen right after someone passes and that's who they see, you know, so usually at the funeral or at the cemetery or wherever, you know, this is even in their bedroom. Quite often that happens in the bedroom. They'll, they'll see their loved one and their loved one is just trying to let them know that they're okay. Mm -hmm. Channeling is a whole nother level. Um, you know, we have mediums who communicate with spirits, people, uh, you know, to sort of help us with our grief and, and dealing with loss. Then you have channels. To me, channels are people who, who are uh, communicating with large groups of um, spirits. I, I look at them more as like these sort of master level spirits. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're, the group will be considered uh, as one entity, but they're, they're a group of spirits. So everybody's probably familiar with uh, Abraham, you know, and Esther Hicks. She, Esther Hicks brings through Abraham. Abraham. Uh, I think is actually a group entity, but using that one name to sort of help us, help right. us understand it and, and make it easy for us. Um, early in my investigation, I haven't seen much of this anymore. Reincarnated people, uh, there used to be more of this where these people believe that they were, you know, Napoleon reincarnated or something. Right? Cleopatra. Yeah. Some of the big yeah, ones. Okay. Yes. And then they take pictures of themselves next to the pictures of these other people, usually someone famous, of course, but, and, and, and they recognize that not only do they look like them in, you know, even from the side, not just from the front, but they also have many of the same mannerisms and Interesting. as those people it used to be a lot more on that in the past. And I haven't seen as much lately. Angel interventions, right? Mm -hmm. People yeah. kind of, you know, they're like, I don't know why I walked through, uh, you know, I, I, I was told not to go into this elevator by this person who grabbed me. And then, you know, I find out something got raped there later or something, you yeah. know, it's like these angel interventions that save us from things. I, I actually heard, I was coming onto a, a ramp once uh, onto the highway and I, I just heard in, in my head, and I'm not gifted at all, but I heard in my, in my head, slow down, and I slowed down, and as I was coming on to the, the highway, I realized it was all glare ice. And wow. uh, I was coming on, and I slowed down, and then I just, cars started spinning out right in front of me. And, and I was okay. To me, that was an angel intervention. Sure. Uh, Life Between Lives Regressions I talked about, children's spirit contact, so a lot of kids we know, you know, I'm sure you've talked to a lot of people who, you know, kids just seem to be gifted in ways that we are not as, a, as adults. They remember things, as we, as we said, from maybe past lives or even the spirit world, but they're more open to seeing people in spirit. We know that maybe a lot of the, not all, but maybe a lot of the imaginary friends that kids have are actually someone in spirit that they're hanging out with. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, but it's so, you know, it's so fascinating when people do this research with children, whether it be children's near-death experiences or, in this case, children's spirit contact, because the children are so innocent. And they really, they, especially if they're young enough, they don't have any religious beliefs or anything that's sort of uh, filtering the things that they're saying. So they're just telling us, you know, with their great innocence. And I yeah, always love Me too. It has so much integrity. And, you know, one of my big things about talking about life after death is if we don't die who are we what are our lives for and so i know you're passionate about helping empower people to live great lives because you have a great new book so if you don't mind i'd love for you to describe um what the magic mala is and you know why you wrote it and a little bit behind the story that sounds great thank you sure. i'm so excited about the magic mala and you you said it at the beginning so where Answers About the Afterlife is just everything I learned about the afterlife in 15 years before I wrote that book. Uh, the Magic Mala is really everything that I learned about life while I was investigating the afterlife. And I know you know this, that when you are investigating the afterlife, and especially if you, when you're having experiences around that, like some of the experiences that I've described I've had here, um, 
you're learning things that you, you don't even intend to learn. They just, you know, you wake up one morning and you recognize you have a, a new wisdom about life that you, you didn't even know was there. It's right. like, it's, it's the opposite of collateral damage. It's like <laughs> benefit or something. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I gained all this wisdom over the years and uh, I really wasn't sure what to do with it. I never, never really had any plan. I would talk about it on my show or, you know, with people. But the, what happened was about a year ago, um, I had been waiting, like, what's next? What's next for me? Am I going to be writing a new book? I didn't know. I was waiting to feel it. Yes. I I trust, same thing. I'm not gifted. I, I can't give readings, but I trust my own intuition for me. And, uh, and I was waiting to feel motivated, inspired to maybe write a new book and nothing was coming. And, and in fact, it had been a year I'd been waiting and nothing came. And I still didn't have any idea when this happened, but Melissa gave me this keyboard and it's a, it's just a Bluetooth keyboard, but it looks like an old key, keyboard typewriter and it, it feels like it. it's got the round keys and they're kind of concave. And, and even when you type with it, it, uh, it, it has that clickety, clickety mm-hmm. sound. And I, I got it for my birthday last year. It was May 3rd. I just started to play with it. And I all of a sudden was like, what am, what, what am I going to write? You know, I, 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 I want to play with this keyboard. What do I write? Mm-hmm. And this, long story short, this book just started pouring out of me. And I had always wanted to write fiction, but I, I never would allow myself to do that because I had read too many books on it <laughs> and they told you how you're supposed to do it, right? Right. And this was not how I learned to do it. You know, I learned, you know, write an outline and make sure, you know, you know what's going in every chapter and blah, blah, blah. Well, I was going to just play with my keyboard and nobody was going to see this. So I just started to write this story. Didn't know what it was going to turn into. Well, I ended up writing for eight hours that first day and this amazing story was unfolding before my eyes and I couldn't wait to wake up the next morning to, to sort of continue it. And by the end of the week, this just kept happening day after day after day and this story was pouring out of me. And so much of the story was my life mm-hmm. inside this story, but it's a fictional story. Some of it's a lot of true stories true things from my own life. Some of them are not. They're just completely fictional. But but the teachings, and I had no idea that this was going to be like a teaching book. Um, well, I had no idea this was going to be a book. But but there's this ca- main character, and he's a writer. He's a ghost writer. I used to be a ghost writer. Um, when I first started my investigations in, in the afterlife, the way I paid the bills was as a ghost writer. And uh, huh. so I knew that well. And he's a ghostwriter, and he's not happy. He wants to start writing his own books instead of writing books for other people. That's basically how the story starts. But he's also financially desperate. He's doing really poorly financially. Uh, can't get another client, and uh, bad things are happening in that way. And because of it, even though he's skeptical, he becomes open-minded about, geez, you know, what else can I do? And he ends up finding these model beads. And if you know, I don't know if anybody knows what model. No, I didn't until I could see him on the front cover of the book. Yeah, so they're 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 like rosary beads. Most people know what a rosary is, and they're like rosary beads, except they have a lot more beads, and they're very popular in the Hindu and Buddha religions. But uh, but to me, when I I actually found some, well, Melissa gave me my first model beads, and um, I didn't know what to do with them at at that time. She taught me. To just it wasn't it wasn't about religion it wasn't even a spiritual practice it was just used as a tool to uh, for each one of the there's 108 beads on a mala for each one of the 108 beads uh, think of something that you want to create in your life and and create a mantra around that so let's just say you want to create more money in your life you know you can just you could say more money. That could be your mantra, more money. For every bead, you go more money, and then you move to the next bead, more money, more money, more money. And you can do this, uh, but you're thinking about that you want to create more abundance in your life. Mm-hmm. Well, this takes about 10 or 15 minutes, depending on the length of the mantra and how quick or sh- you know, how quickly you go. And 
it it gives and it, this is what it did for me and and this is why the book ended up unfolding the way it did it taught me to instead of thinking about all the things that i worry about in life or thinking about um you know things that sort of came so naturally to me back then this was in 2005 when this actually happened to me i would you know i would think about things that uh I, I was unhappy about in life. What I, maybe I'd be complaining about something that wasn't going well for me, or you know, it, it usually it came out in the negative, right? I was thinking about all these things negative, things that that uh, I was afraid of and I, I was fearful of. I would talk about these things with Melissa or my friends, and what the mala did for me was it allowed me to take ten or fifteen minutes of my life and think of something positive. What is it that I want in my life? And I eventually took that practice to include me thinking for every bead, I would think of something that I was grateful for in my life. Nice. And I, w- I used to do this while I was walking my dog, and I was kind of getting tired of the mantra that I was using. And I said, I'm just going to create my own mantra. And my mantra was, thank you for the blessings. And with each time I said it, I would think of a different blessing in my life. And let me tell you, this is a magical practice because by the time you get done, thinking of 108 blessings in your life, you feel great about life. Yes. And you're vibrating at a different frequency. I mean, literally, I mean, you, you are, you're beaming because you've just thought about all these things that are great in your life. And you think, my life is great. I am so blessed. And I did this twice a day. Um, every time I took my dog for like 45-minute walks um, twice a day. And... And I would use my mala each time. And so I would think of all these wonderful things in my life. And it's like telling, it doesn't matter what you call it, you know, the universe, God, uh, source. It's like saying, this is what I love about my life. You know, please give me more of it, you know. Right. <laughs> Just bring it on, you know, bring more of it on because I'm so happy about this. Well, there's a magical energy about gratitude. Yes. And, and everybody knows this. If somebody is grateful and they express gratitude to you for something maybe that you did for them, you want to just do more for them. It's just, <laughs> I don't know what it is about gratitude, but it makes you, it, that's the kind of energy it brings. It it's does, like, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, you're, you liked that? Well, what else can I do for you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, well, I believe that the universe responds in kind as well. And so this, this uh, character in the book, his name is Robbie, not too, not too far from Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> his name is Robbie. And, and so anyways, he finds his, his ma- this first mala, and even though he's skeptical about it, he's desperate enough to try it. And he goes on this journey, and it teaches uh, about that. And it teaches about intention, and it teaches us about how to be very careful and conscious about our thoughts and our words and our actions that back up, back up our our thoughts and our words, but, um, but, but it teaches so much more than that. Uh, but if that's all someone got out of the book, that would be amazing in itself because, uh, I am having these people who have read the book emailing me with these just uh, absolutely amazing stories. Like I'm, uh, I'm a little envious <laughs> like, of their stories. Like, wow, that was like, you've got to be kidding me. You know, these amazing things that are happening to them because they start, they read the book, they learn how to do it, and they're inspired by it. So they get their own milers or they pull out milers that they had from years ago. They find them and they start doing this exercise uh, once or twice a day and their life is is changing because of it. And uh, uh, that just gets me more excited to use it. You know, I have this one one guy who's... Uh, well, I won't say who he is because uh, you know, I'm going to interview him someday, and, but I don't want to share who he is before okay. he, permission. Right. But he, um, he once went to, because of his, what he does for work, he went to two years ago to get a talent agent uh, to represent him, and they turned him down. Well, 45 minutes after he started to u- starts using this mala, the, the talent agency calls him. This is two years later. I mean, he had written them off a long, long time ago uh-huh. when, they, when they turned him down, when they rejected him. All of a sudden, they're now calling him, and they want to represent him. 
Wow. You know, uh, I have a, I know a publicity agent who started to, um, she created the intention. She does the, she does the thank you for the blessings. Mm-hmm. And then after she's done, she, she just thinks about her intention of, I want media to be calling me about my clients that are completely out of the blue. People I haven't even contacted. Just, you know, awesome media to just contact me. Um, and she started doing this. She had the Wall Street Journal. And she oh actually took off. Like, literally just, she was like, I'm taking the next few days off. I'm just going to do this. She had the Wall Street Journal call her, Fox News, uh, New York Times. Uh, she, ended up, she ended up getting two of her clients in the New York Times on the same day. On the same, same. Crazy. Uh, <laughs> and she had a whole list of them that, and, and uh, most of them that were people that she didn't even contact about her clients. They just came to her. So these, it is magic. Kind of, yeah. It, it <laughs> is. Gratitude is everything. Intention is so powerful. We really yeah, do have to watch our thoughts, but I can just see that. You know, I don't have a mala yet, but just to really get that, you know, the gratitude and then, you know, really feeling it. It stirs up the universe. I'd love that. It'd be fun to play with. It is. It's fun to play with. And I don't think, you know, it's not about the mala. You know, it's it's no. like you know, you know, Wyatt Webb said it's not about the horse, and it's it's not about the model. It's about the practice of taking some, the time to um, tell the universe what we want versus complaining about what we don't want or worrying about what we don't want. We do that naturally, so it's about being conscious about thinking about those things that we want in our lives, and 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 it can run the gamut. It's not money. It's not just money. This is not a law of attraction thing. Um, like how we can manifest material possessions. Yes, you can do it, but you can also, you can get, you know, you can help with, with your health. You can help with your relationships. You can help with maybe, you know, just career fulfillment, something like that. Yeah, the sky's the limit. It truly sky's, is with whatever yeah. is personal to you and your life. Now, it, did I hear correctly? Somebody's going to make this into a movie? <laughs> yes. Well, this is just part of the magic. Of- yeah, it's pretty magical. <laughs> So, you know, after the fifth day, Melissa always, my wife, Melissa, always insists that I, uh, I, work, I don't work on the weekend. Well, after the first week of me just sitting down and like this thing, this, this book is unfolding with this new keyboard. Uh-huh. She, she says to me, I made plans for the, for the weekend because I assume you want to keep writing. <laughs> and, and so I ended up actually writing for 28 days, and and this book popped up. And, and wild. That's and, great. And I feel as though, um, you know, a lot of people say channeled, but I think it was just inspired. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, so many of my stories working through me, mediums work that way. Mm-hmm. A lot of times uh, people in spirit will com- communicate by showing the mediums something that is in their head. You know, like they'll show them their Aunt Rose if they want them to say Rose, right, as an example. And – um, I feel as though I was just inspired to write this book. I don't take uh, a lot of credit for it other than I was sort of a vessel that it was written through me. Mm-hmm. Yes, a lot of my life is in that. But uh, I really – it's hard for me to take credit for this book where I just kind of feel like uh, I just sat there and, and typed it <laughs> and typed it out. So I don't funny. know where this came from. But it's exciting to me. And, and, and in the, as soon as I finished it, 20 days after I finished it um, – I had told somebody, a friend about it, and she happened to be on the phone with this uh, movie producer from England who, who also works here in the United States, but she was in, in England at the time. And she said, can I read it? You know, she's like yelling, can I read it? <laughs> and so, I, you know, I was actually reluctant because it was a very early copy. You know, I hadn't edited it or anything, uh, but I gave it to her. And it, about three months later, uh, she came to me and she said, I, I hope you let me make this movie. This is going to be a great movie. So, so you know, that'll take some time. That of course. Take two or three years at least, but, uh, but it's exciting, right? Yeah. And you've created a workshop out of it too, haven't you? Or in the process yeah, I, of, I haven't gone live with it. Yes. Yet, but yes, uh, created a workshop. So, you know, if people go to bobolson.com. They can sign up to be told when the workshop is going to be available to them. This is people who, like I said, there's so much in this book. Um, that people will learn about life that uh, I realized, you know, maybe the book isn't going to be enough. And I wanted pe- people who wanted to go deeper 
that they could go deeper. And this will this will be an online workshop, something that people can sort of take, uh, watch the videos and, and, and at their own pace and be able to just get deeper with the information, further their information. Yeah, yeah. and I love it. And I'm just looking at a description of your book that I found on Amazon um, about the book, and I'm sure in the workshop too, how to manifest the life of your dreams, how to communicate with the universe, how to recognize the beliefs that limit you. I mean, that is so important. Uh, identifying spiritual guidance, creating magic in your life, increasing happiness and abundance. And that's all good stuff and it, it's totally in line with uh like i said if we don't die what the heck is our life for and it's for all those things you know so that we when we close our eyes the last time on planet earth we can really look back and you know the joy that we've created the dreams we've gone after having that gratitude you know really getting our money's worth out of life so to speak yeah yeah i, I agree with all of that and, and that's the whole thing is the the reality of it is so much of this is is simple, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of people who reject the simple. It's too simple. It couldn't be that simple. You know, I can't turn my life around with that because that's just too simple. Um, there were there were teachers. There's teachers uh, from the the early 1900s that were teaching similar information about this. And 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 those books still exist out there uh, today. And you know, Think and Grow Rich is one of them. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, but the, the problem is for like me and when I was reading those books, I, to me, I just thought it was too simple. I didn't actually do what they told me to do. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll do that someday. And, and, but I never actually, you know, took what they told me and turned it into a daily practice. And to me, uh, what I learned along the way was that's the secret. <laughs> you don't just know this information. You've got to live this information. And uh, I think that's true for all of spirituality. You know, there's a lot of people who are out there who are going around spouting off things that they've read in books, but they don't live it. They, right. just, they just go around teaching it to people. They think they're spiritual people because they can spout off the stuff. But they're, when you look at the way they live, the way they treat other people, that that there's something off there, right? Mm-hmm. And what I I like yeah. too, Bob, is that you've written this as a fictional story. And I know I don't know why this is for human beings, but like if you just learn something in a classroom, okay, you, you supposedly learned it. But if you can learn it through your imagination, and then you're you're forced to follow somebody along on the story, and it is fictionalized, there's a such a deeper level of learning and and knowing and believing that won't come if somebody just tells you to do a gratitude process. So, okay, fine. You know, but to to do it in a story, that's why I do think books like The Alchemist and uh, Celestine Prophecy and, and things like that were so successful because they, you know, it's like the, the fables and all the old stories. You know, you really get these messages and then you get them for life. So I really applaud you or whoever wrote with you, through you, however, uh, those yeah. mystical forces are, to, that it, it came through on a story level. Because I really do think when we evoke our imagination and have to picture all this, we'll, it, we'll really get it and we'll I, have I it for so life. I, I agree. I mean, I know that these things changed my life. Um, significantly um, once I finally got it. But um, I wanted to write it as a fictional story because, uh, I, you know, look, I'm no guru. You know, I, the, the main character is Robbie. And, you know, I, I still make the same mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, have to, I have to balance myself. Melissa will, will, will catch me. You know, did you, did you just hear what you said? And I'll go, <laughs> oh, that was my inner Robbie coming out. You oh, know? funny. Yeah. But, you know, look, I'm, I'm, I just don't want, I didn't want to write this as if, you know, oh, I'm the guru. I know this stuff. I'm, you know, I'm brilliant. Be like me. It's not like that at all. It's like, uh, you know, I have used this stuff and this is what has worked for me and changed my life. But I learned it because I was investigating something else. You know, I only know this stuff because of something I learned um, without even trying to learn it. And then I used it for my own life. This is what's done. This is what's worked for my life. Even to say that, people then separate themselves from you. Well, you're different because you get this or that or that in your life. And so you take a fictional story and you make it about these fictional characters, which um, 
which even I, even I'll say they're very rich and deep characters. Uh, you know, the story itself we're getting great feedback on. A lot of people are enjoying that as well. And same thing. I can't really can't take credit for that. But uh, but you'll never forget those characters and what happened to them. And that helps you to learn and even implement everything that's being taught within there. Oh, I'm so excited to read it. I, you know, have had it for a week or so in my hand, and I just haven't opened it because I'm finishing something else. But now I'm inspired to, you know, this. And I'd rather hear a story from somebody who doesn't have it all together and has their ups and downs and is actually a human being going for it than a guru anyways, you know, that's sitting on a mountaintop and much more yeah. enjoyable. Well, that's, <laughs> that's definitely me. Yeah, uh, well, me too. Me too. Yeah, yeah. I share it all, warts and all, as they say. Okay. Bob, we're approaching the end of the episode. Is there anything I should have asked you that I I missed? Or is there any closing words that you have? And obviously, uh, if you want to give people your websites and and how to contact you and all that as well. No, you've covered it all. Uh, The Magic Mala and Answers About the Afterlife, they can read more about at BobOlson.com. You can spell Bob Olson however you want. You'll get to the right place. Oh, you're so funny. (laughs) A lot of people spell it with an E, but it's with an O. That's okay. Let's still take it there. Great. uh, Yeah, that's right. And and then uh, you would mention BestPsychicDirectory.com, over 800 psychics and mediums. Uh, I I love these people, the, the work that they're doing. They're helping so many people with their grief, and I know that is the audience that both you and I uh, love so much and uh, appreciate and want to help. So um, that's who those psychics and mediums are helping. So I I love all those psychics and mediums there. So that's like directly. And well, Afterlife TV, let's plug that in your podcast, too, because we share our listeners. I mean, it's really great oh, to do that. AfterlifeTV.com, and there's a whole bunch of video episodes. And then if you click down below and listen on YouTube or iTunes, I mean, you've got the you know more that are in audio as well, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. So they're all there. If you like Sandra's show, uh, you know, you might like my show. <laughs> Uh, oh my gosh, you have no idea, Bob, how long, you know, I've had the intention, like, I got to get to Bob Olson, you know, and I've written you from time to time, you've been busy, and I'm like, oh, the great and powerful Bob Olson, someday, oh, and you know what's funny, I I must have had 30 people email me, like, you got to have Bob Olson on the show, you got to have him, I'm like, I'm trying, so today's the day, and I'm so delighted, and so, I'm yeah, if you like, if you're, interested in the afterlife of course uh you'll love bob's show you know i mean it's just it's just it's all what we're talking about and it's great well uh, my head's just just swelling right now i might not be able to get through the door but thank you so much you'll get over it (laughs) (laughs) and if you're ever looking for a guest you know there's always me um yeah yeah how's that plugging myself but why not because we love to share so close so now now you know uh Jeez, maybe we just have you up. You oh, know? and that'd be fun. That'd so, be that's... fun. Thanks. Uh, oh, of course. And Bob, um, I'll be speaking at an event in September, which a lot of my listeners have heard about, but you might enjoy if you haven't met some of these people um, from the Afterlife Research and Education Institute. I know you know some of them because you know Suzanne Wilson. Uh, I think Alan Botkin's part of it, um, Suzanne Wilson being the medium. Um, but there is a symposium that I'm speaking at September 15th through 17th. And I just want to invite the listeners to come meet me in person. That would be great. And if you go to afterlifestudies.org, you can register. And also for you, Bob, even if you haven't been to that website, there's so much neat state-of-the-art stuff that's happening in the whole field of afterlife communication that I didn't even know existed. Real reputable people, a lot of scientists and doctors and things, and some of them might be really fun guests for you on your show as well. So take a peek. Craig Hogan? Yes, it is. Okay, yeah, I'm familiar with it. It's amazing. Thanks I love you. him. Yeah, Roberta Grimes, all that whole gang is just yeah, the yeah. best. I'm well, super- people should go to that. I mean, I, I can't even imagine what that must be like just oh. the whole weekend. Well, yeah, and if people can't go, I do know that they're going to videotape it and eventually have some kind of an afterlife university to be able to, you know, really learn and, and have, you know, a resource for 
for all of it. So I'm I'm thrilled to be in this, as I know you are, and super thrilled to have had you here. And to our listener, thank you for giving us your hour. I hope it's been as enjoyable for you as it has been for me. And I think I can hear it in Bob's voice. He's happy to. I really uh, am. Yeah, and I want to. Yeah. Thank you, Sandra. You are uh, so. Welcome. It is. It's nice when people take the time to listen, isn't it? Uh, it- I appreciate that. It is. You know, people binge watch Netflix and, you know, I think like I've done with your show, binge watched or listened. And, you know, people are doing that with this show as well. Uh, and to remind our listener, if you go to we don't die radio.com, you can find all past episodes and you can connect on YouTube, iTunes, wherever you wish to uh, listen. And, and beneath this episode, say if you are listening on YouTube, if you just look in the description, I have all the links to Bob's various website and to his books as well. So you can purchase them with ease or simply go to bobolson.com, however you choose to spell it. <laughs> I love that. So in closing, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. My name is Sandra Champlain, and I've been your host on We Don't Die Radio. And I do believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on earth is important. So I really want to thank you for listening and we'll see you soon. Bye everybody.